Hey, Freedom Fighters. This is David Delaney with 10 Bound. Thank you so much for listening to the Sales Development Podcast and tuning in each week. You are amazing. Sales development is the hardest job on the go-to-market team, and you do it well every day, and we appreciate you being here. Hey, I wanted to really quickly let you know about a project that we've been working on over the last couple months that we launched a beta version over at 10bound.com forward slash directory. And what this is, is a directory to help you out as you're looking for products and services that support your sales development efforts. As you may know, we have developed the first sales development industry market map where we pull together the very, very specialized products and services that are created to help you hit your sales development goals. And the number one the request that we got after we developed the market map is, hey, how do I double click on this and learn more about the companies, products and services that are on the market map here on Tambound? And we didn't have anything like that. You could just basically download the market map and kind of use it as a guide to start looking at some of these other companies that you may need for your sales development strategy. So we developed the directory. And what it is, is basically you look at the market map, you look at the quadrant that you're interested in. So say you're shopping for outsourced SDR services, or you're looking at all the different availabilities around sales engagement platforms that are there. Now you can actually double click on that, go to the directory, and each one of the companies will have their own page, a showcase page where they can put down very quickly, okay, what's the difference between them and the other ones? What's their value prop? What are their case studies? And how do I get in touch with them? You know, boom, 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 an easy way for you to, to check whether they're legit. This is a beta version, so we're going to be developing more robust capabilities so that you can save companies, look at their various ratings on rating sites, and have that all in one place as you're doing your sales development research. So we're really excited about that. If you are a company that sells to the sales development community, be sure to claim your profile, get on there, register, get your page up, get your value prop up, get a few differentiators so that people know about you and they don't have to go to you know, a bunch of different sites. They can just start to gather that information in one place. And be sure to leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Let us know what it's missing, what would help you to be able to determine your sales development strategy and companies that you use that aren't on the market map and are not in the directory, but should be that have really helped you to achieve your sales development goals. So again, it's 10bound.com forward slash directory. Get on there, check it out. Let us know what you think. Thanks. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the sales development podcast. So honored and blessed that you could join us today and got a great guest on the show, a new friend of mine who is in our industry. He's creating something that can definitely help us out. So Matt Belkin, founder of Growflare, thanks so much for coming on the show. David, thank you so much. I am sincerely honored given the depth and breadth of leaders that you've had on this show. I just hope that I can be as entertaining and insightful as those that have preceded me. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. You got it, man. I mean, sales development's hard and everyone's out there trying to do their best with what we got right now. And, you know, it's interesting because you had a very diverse 
background and um, and experience in getting into this industry. Tell us about you know how you came to this industry and you know what led you to start Growflare. Sure. Yeah. Always easy to talk about yourself, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you're right. I did kind of follow a little bit of an unorthodox path. I started back in the day in investment banking with a couple different outfits, most notably JP Morgan. And I, I really wanted to get in. You know, I kind of felt when I was at JP Morgan as an equity analyst that I was kind of like the commentator on the Super Bowl, where you know, I was always talking about the players, how good they were, or how they could have done this player, they shouldn't have done that player, the coach should have done this or that. And I always wanted to be on the field. I always wanted to be the guy carrying the trophy at the end of the game. And, and so I, I made the jump and got into tech and have been in tech for over two decades since then in a ton of different roles, everything from running post sales to building startups to working at Fortune 500s, like a lot of the names that you'd recognize, like the Adobe's of the world. And it's been a really interesting journey because I fell into the role of sales development, kind of the, the, the ecosystem, really at a at more of a, a dark time at one of the startups that I was at. And you may have heard of these folks. They raised close to $900 million, a company called Domo. They're now publicly traded. And I joined them and we had this just astronomical growth, hyper growth. You know, we were a unicorn and billion dollar valuation, actually multi-billion dollar valuation. And unfortunately, you know, we had a very horizontal go to market and it's business intelligence. And it's one where, you know, essentially who doesn't need data to run their business, right? So you could sell it into every vertical, you can sell it into every department, you can sell it into every person. And so with that enormity of opportunity also comes a, a tremendous burden, which is how do you empower your sales development team to qualify opportunities and convert leads and, and really just manage the pipeline. And, and it turned out to be a, a tremendously challenging problem for us to try to solve, not just because of the enormity of our addressable market, but because of the intensity of the expectations that we were trying to hit. And ultimately, we you know, went through a couple of CMOs and we went through a couple of VPs of sales and then our CEO came to me and I was the COO at the time. And the CEO came to me and said, Hey, Matt, you know, this is broken. This is broken. And, you know, I need you to step in here and fix it. And that, David, is how I got into sales development. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like sales development actually came to you. <laughs> it, did, it did. It did. And, Wow. You know, I wasn't, okay. I wasn't, I wasn't asking, but I love yeah. solving problems. I really do. I, I'm just curious by my nature. I'm very data driven. And, you know, that's kind of the approach that I took and really welcomed the opportunity, was willing to do whatever the company needed to be successful. I believe in the product. I still do. So it was, it was, it was a unique opportunity, but certainly a challenging one to step in the middle of. Okay. And so he or she comes to you, has this conversation. You're like, okay. <laughs> First of all, what is sales development? What do I? What are we going to do here? And what's your next step? Yeah, I'm a very hands-on kind of guy, and, and certainly, you know, I had a lot of success in B2B before, and, and critical to that success was partnering with 
the very talented sales leaders that I'd worked with. So, you know, I got the motion. I, I knew what people were trying to do. I knew what success was supposed to look like. I didn't know what was wrong. I can tell you that much. And the best way I know how to figure that out is just to put myself right in the middle of the problem. And so on day one, I, I went over to the SDRs and I sat there and I put on a headset and I just listened, right? And I just listened for hours and it was painful. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to put lipstick on this pig. It was painful. And, you know, what was perhaps the most painful for me was that these SDRs were hungry. They were talented. They're smart. They're working hard, but they just weren't successful. And that's a difficult thing to face when you're trying to mentor people and you're trying to give them opportunities to grow as kind of tomorrow's leaders and be successful when so many pieces are there to help them be successful and, and yet they continue to fail. And, you know, unfortunately, the, the scope of the problem was significant. I mean, we were, we were at a point where nearly all of our SDRs were consistently missing quota. So, you know, this was a significant issue that we were facing. And what I observed pretty quickly was that the prospects that we were getting, and, you know, this is in no way to impugn marketing at all, because incidentally, as part of this new responsibility, I was also now running marketing. Uh, so, <laughs> so you couldn't really point the finger at anyone at this point. <laughs> no, no, I couldn't. <laughs> it was a very short path to accountability. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, right. what, what was happening and, and, you know, you just kind of call it for what it is, is that the funnel was being filled with a lot of prospects that really weren't prospects at all. And what I mean by that is that, you know, classically, a qualified prospect is usually someone that goes through a firmographic qualification, you know, based on things like employee size, revenue, perhaps industry. And, and you know, there's a tremendous wealth of tools out there that, that help you do that. But the challenge is that that doesn't tell you anything about what that prospect is really looking for. What are their wants? What are their desires? What are their interests? Right? What do they care about? And that's what was missing. And so what was happening was that these SDRs were being artificially buoyed up by prospects in their pipeline that were never going to buy. They were never going to buy. They were a terrible fit for the business. Um, and that created the expectation that you know we were swimming in this ocean of leads, and yet these SDRs weren't converting anything. And you know, I know you've seen this before in your career, you know, don't blame, blame the lead, blame the seller, right? Mm -hmm. That's unfortunately what was happening. Uh, now, fortunately, we were recognizing that and we were trying to adjust pretty quickly, but that was the situation. That's what I saw. And that's really what began to try to, to change the course of. Okay. And so when you sat down with the SDRs and you just determined, okay, this, these people are trying really hard. They have all the tools. It should be working but they're not successful. So how did you define success in your mind? Was it purely the business perspective or was it, what was it that was not successful for you there? 
Yeah, you know, being a data-driven guy, the very easy answer to that was quota. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Okay, so, so we're missing quota, right? Hey, we're missing quota. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, that was that led to a series of other secondary challenges that, you know, we you've covered in some of your previous podcasts. I mean, you know, it, it weighs on morale and it becomes a much bigger problem. But yeah, in short, they were missing quota and those leads that were making it over the wall were what I would say were poor fit meaning that yeah. they had elements that could suggest that they were potential buyers but in reality they just weren't they weren't fully qualified so that was the challenge and really at the end of the day that hurt everybody downstream in the funnel because these SDRs would end up spending the vast majority of their time on folks that never would convert which you know ultimately penalizes them across a number of fronts, right? It, it steals their time to participate and develop good prospects. It steals their time from focusing on outbound efforts, and it ultimately impairs their ability to grow as individuals and contributors. So it was a, it was right. a pretty significant challenge. Okay. And so, and so this is a situation where you've got a pretty good brand, you've got a marketing engine, you are getting inbound leads. And so they were spending a lot of times working the inbound leads and were they also tasked with going outbound or was that like a separate team yeah good question so we we're in a hot industry the marketing machine was humming so we were you know we had without disclosing anything of course too proprietary we had a couple of dozen sdrs at the time and on an average weekly basis it's fair to say that they might be getting a hundred inbound leads and so you know there are a lot of SDRs that I've managed since then that would be very happy with that profile. <laughs> it's right, a, but but they, yeah, uh, they weren't the right leads though. I that's mean, right. Were, and was there any sort of filtration in place when you started, or was it just sort of a cue? It was. There was some. Again, it was mostly firmographic. And what we tried to begin doing was classic go-to-market segmentation to help them identify. You know the top accounts that seemed most representative of particular industries and, and verticals that we wanted to go after. Uh, and so that was the beginning of the fine tuning of the engine. But the challenge again that we faced was that while we had a wealth of data from a lot of fantastic data providers, it was still, you know, kind of anchored in these firmographic measures that were a helpful indication but they were only part of the picture and we needed to do more. We needed a richer data set and we needed more perspective and we had to get to it quickly, right? We had to get to it quickly because if the prospect wasn't qualified based on these richer insights, then we knew we needed to dismount and, you know, either DQ them, move them into nurture, but somehow we had to recover that time. And I'll say, you know, I mean, acknowledging the time that we're in right now, like there's no greater imperative right now than to do just that, right? I mean, we were in, at the yeah. time, we were in a very vibrant economy. This was several years ago. We were in a very vibrant economy, tons of pipeline, tons of capital discretionary budget being allocated to the space that we were in. And now what we find ourselves in is quite a 180 from that. So there is incredible imperative 
to get you know very good at qualifying folks based on a richer set of data. Got it. Okay. And so at that point, did you try to find you know a solution out there, or were you trying to build it yourself in Excel? Like, what was your first few steps in trying to empower them to be more prioritized? Sure. So the first step was really to work backwards from what success looked like. So we said, you know, who are our best customers? And this gets a little bit ICP oriented, but I don't want to make it academic necessarily. So what we would say is where, you know, if you go to a sales guy, if you go to an SDR and you say, you know, what was the best lead that you had this week? Or who is your best customer? And when I say best customer, I mean, you know, who is going to get on the phone and provide a reference for you at the drop of the hat? You know, who's going to give you a renewal without a bunch of grief? You know, maybe, you know, sort of macroeconomic conditions permitting, maybe who's going to go out golfing with you or go out to drinks or, or whatever the case may be, right? Like every salesperson knows that. They do. And they know, they know that usually times five, times 10. So what we tried to do is work backwards from that. And we tried to say, okay, well, what is it about, you know, your specific customer that was so compelling? Why are they getting so much value? Why do you hold them in such high regard? And why do, you, why do they hold you in such high regard? And we did that methodically for every area that we could reasonably segment and represent. So it was much more of a bottoms up ICP than it was a top down ICP. And you know, top down ICP is nothing wrong with them. It's just a sort of a different approach to trying to get to the same destination. But we had a lot of success with that because similar to persona development, what we could develop was a very acute sense of what the pain was and what we were looking for. And ultimately that became, that piece right there became the, the missing link because what we could then do is move that all the way up to the top of the funnel and say, okay, you know, as soon as you get these guys on the phone or even if, if to the degree that we could do it, before you ever talk to them, how can we zero in on that pain? And that became one of the most pivotal and insightful developments that, you know, that helped us, you know, rebuild that organization and, and lead to our broader success. Got it. Okay. So with such a broad a suite of products, you know, BI could be applicable to like almost every industry. And how did you decide which of the personas and the pain points to really focus on? Because it seems like the team could have spent tons of time like learning all these different industries and different types of people to, to talk to. Was there one that was just more lucrative for you that you really pinpointed? You know, we, we saw a lot of it depend on where people were most disposed towards digital transformation, right? Ones where there's a desire to use data to transform their business. And, and that was kind of one of the fun aspects of this exercise because we did it across the individuals almost in a pod-like structure. And they didn't, you know, kind of to avoid group think, we separated them. And by doing that, but ourselves being able to move across, you know, kind of lily pad across the pods, we're able to observe these more macro trends that get at, you know, your question, which was 
you know, essentially these common themes where you have people that were, you know, more digital first, or they're trying to move to mobile, or, you know, they're embracing, as I said, digital transformation as a strategic initiative. Those all became more macro themes that we really honed in on. And then again, moving those back up to the funnel, what we did is just tailored our qualifying questions, either digitally or on the phone in person. And we tailored our qualifying questions to try to tease that out a lot faster. And quite honestly, that hadn't even existed in the process at all, right? So we had started essentially from ground zero on this. And we wove that into the qualification process. And and that's what helped us get a lot of clarity, get a lot of focus, and get a lot more traction more quickly. Because, you know, and I know you've evangelized this with some of your previous guests on the podcast, but you can get to know pretty fast with some very open-ended questions like this. And it just, at the end of the day, it ends up respecting everyone's time. It's not a bad thing. It's really not a bad thing to get to know fast. And we were able to achieve that in a very empathetic way and one where, you know, it was empowering. We were good listeners. We were seen as, as helpful and, and thought leaders, but it also served our business purpose of, you know, kind of qualify or disqualify in as efficient a way as possible. Got it. So you started to see some better results. And then what would happen in the past, it would be they would do their usual qualification, send over the lead to the sales rep, and then it kind of, it wasn't successful. You weren't getting the pipeline. Now you start to see more patterns. You start to see some success. Is this when you started to think about like, how do I put this into some sort of repeatable structure or repeatable engine that you ended up building? Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. You, you know me well enough to know how I think at this point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're like, how do I make this into a process, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. And that's really the role of a COO in respect. It's how do you scale this? How do you, you know, how do you not throw humans at a problem? I mean, you know, particularly in the era that we live in where we're just so blessed with technology and, and AI how do we use those to our advantage to, to really augment our ability as humans to operate? And, and that's what I was thinking of. And I believe me, David, I, if there was somebody that did this, I would have bought it. <laughs> I would have bought it in a second because it would have saved me a ton of time. But yeah, as I, you know, continued in my own career past Domo and, you know, worked at a couple other companies where I managed the sales team, managed the funnel. Yeah, I kept seeing the same recurring problem and I kept talking to my peers about it. I said, you know, I got to do something about this. I really do. And, and it was just, it just became a passion project for me. And I thought like a lot of entrepreneurs, I thought that I could, you know, solve this problem in, in about six months. It took me three times as long. <laughs> <laughs> and admittedly, I'm still building, but yeah, that's what ultimately gave birth to, to what I've been focused on you know, a lot lately and ultimately how you and I ended up meeting each other. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about that. So now it's like, all right, we know that we know that, you know, we need a better prioritization system. We know that this is repeatable. This is something that we can throw resources at. So how did you go about, you know, building this? Yeah. So, you know, really the way that I looked at the problem was to say, Across all of these companies that I had been at, what have I seen 
that is most effective in allowing me to, you know, at the top of the funnel to qualify prospects, to know if this is a place that I should spend time or not across all the SDRs and, and even in marketing. And it, you know, across that observation set, it, it all came back to the same idea, which was, you know, what are the prospects pain points? What are their wants? What are their interests? And historically, that has proven very difficult to get. It's this idea of wants and interests and needs is an area known as psychographics. And we've talked about firmographics a couple of times now in this podcast, and many people are familiar with that. Many people are familiar with demographics. Not as many people are familiar with psychographics. And psychographics obviously just, just comes from the origin of, of psychology, right? It's, it's what are your wants, needs, and interests. And it's existed since the early 60s, actually. It came out of academia in Harvard and Stanford. And it's really been used in the consumer realm very pervasively. Companies, for example, companies like Amazon, Amazon recommendations. If you've ever bought anything that Amazon has recommended to you, which I certainly have, Oh, yeah. (laughs) That, you know, Amazon recommendations are effectively psychographics. Basically, what they're serving you are recommendations based on your wants, needs, and interests. And that approach actually has proven to be extremely successful for them. They've they've reported publicly that their recommendations engine has produced a 30% lift on sales, which, you know, Amazon is about a $140 billion company at this point in their retail area, amazon.com. So, you know, there's a tremendous proof point there where, you know, about 40, $42 billion of Amazon's upside has come from this concept of essentially delivering recommendations to prospects based on their wants and needs. And so that was a string that I really started to tug at and explore and Amazon's not alone, right? You can see the same thing in, you know, Netflix recommendations. Anytime you turn on Netflix, that's that's what's happening. It's targeting you based on your wants and needs. Spotify Discover, if you listen to that, it's the same thing. 31% of all of Spotify Discover, I'm oh, sorry, uh, 31% of all Spotify music is delivered based on psychographics. And so as I was tugging on that string, I said, what well, you know, God, there's so much potential here, but no one seems to do this in B2B. Why is that? And it turns out it's really hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's really hard, you know, because, (laughs) yeah, I mean, businesses just don't hang it out there. They don't, you know, they're very guarded about their data. You know, they don't participate in business surveys that talk about their feelings and their interests and their passions. And, you know, it's very hard to figure that out. But you know, I'm not one to be easily deterred. And I just kept cracking at the nut. And I said, you know, look, the open web is this tremendous treasure trove of data on business attitudes and values. And, and, you know, they're out there on their public websites and they're out there in their press releases and they're out there on social media. They're out there on you know LinkedIn and places of that nature. And they're even out there in their job postings talking about themselves. And I said, there's got to be something to that. There's got to be a way that we can use that information to figure out what they care most about, to figure out their psychographics. And so that's really the thread that I kept tugging on and was really pleasantly surprised 
with how effective that became in identifying the wants and needs of an actual business. And I took it actually one step further than that. Not only did I arrive at some insight as to their wants and needs, but what I found was that you could also use artificial ancestry.com. We share common genetic markers with each other where you can you know, reverse out and understand your family tree. You know, ironically or coincidentally, businesses are not much different. You can use their psychographic profiles to figure out businesses that have a very common set of needs and interests. And so what I found was that I could go back to this same idea of starting with my best customers and now just try to find more like them. And it was, it was this huge, like, I mean, the, my mind was blown, right? When I, when I started doing this, because I was like, wow, I had never thought to prioritize prospects based on this data that really hadn't existed before. So that's what I've spent about a year and a half of my life trying to chase down. Okay, so, so let me ask you this. So what you're saying is those same factors, the same process behind serving up suggestions on Amazon and Netflix and Spotify could be applied to the business context of a B2B context. Is that's, that correct? That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And okay. you know, let me, it's helpful perhaps to use an example. I was talking, in fact, earlier this week, I was talking with a company and they're in the call center software business. And that's a wonderfully horizontal business, not too different than many of the businesses I've been at. They can sell into any number of verticals, any number of company sizes. And it's something where if you were to use traditional firmographics, it proves to be quite challenging because you can only get so far by picking an industry and picking a company size, right? That, that doesn't tell you much about how well they might need a call center. So call center software, I should say. So in kind of playing this out, one of their best customers was in the payday loan space, you know, title loans, payday loans. I don't really know much about this space. I didn't love it. But the test was to say, hey, can we take a customer like this and based on their psychographics, can we find more like them? And what's interesting is if you go back to firmographics for a second, you know, look at like SIC codes or NAICS codes, they would say, well, is it, are they in retail because they have, you know, payday loan stores or are they in, in services because they're dealing with, you know, financial implications? Are they a bank? Are they a consumer service? And that's where you begin to run into these challenges that, that psychographics can help us solve. And I'm not saying that psychographics are a replacement for firmographics. They're an extension in your toolkit that will allow you to, you know, again, focus your time on, on where it matters most. And so what we were able to do was very quickly say, hey, you know, I want to take this one customer and I'll, I'll let them remain nameless. And I want to try to find more like them based on their psychographic profiles and, and their wants and interests. And those wants and interests were, were very focused on payday loans. We're very focused on title loans. We're very focused on check to cash. And by looking through billions of public data sources, it's remarkable how acutely 
you can boil companies down to just a few of those incredibly relevant psychographics. And that's essentially what we did. It's proven to be tremendously valuable in qualifying prospects based on, on psychographic fit. Okay. So say you were able to plug it in back at Domo when you took over and you're like, okay, these, we got to get some prioritization. What would be like a day in the life of the SDR using Growflare to try to help them to prioritize? Sure. Well, <laughs> if I had this tool, I might not be talking to you right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> you I had might. to end up building it yourself. Good, good chance I would still be there. But yeah, I mean, really day in the life, it's a, it's a great question because, you know, when in a perfect world, what this would help SDRs do is just have meaningful conversations with folks that want to buy or are interested in buying what they're selling. And what it means is that, you know, when you're staring down either, you know, whatever technology you may be using for lead routing and lead handling and lead prioritization, you'd essentially not only have more confidence in what you're selling, because what you can do is say, hey, this prospect has come in and not only do I know what their pain points are, so I know where to focus, but I also know my best reference customer, right? So now I know exactly what I can tailor my conversation around because it's something that I already know. You know, it's, it's someone that in, in, in an ideal case, it's somebody that I can get on the phone because they're in such a similar industry. And, you know, of course, some cases they may be competitive and you may not want to do that. But look, if you're able to get on the phone with a prospect and you could say, hey, you know, look, I know these guys are competitor. I just wanted you to know that we've worked together with them and we've had great success. And, would love to work with you to do the same. You know, there's, you know, you get instant credibility from that approach and you're not betraying anything confidential. And it's, it's just a, it's just a better overall way, I think, to, to help people through that consideration process and, and to ultimately qualify them. Got it. That makes such a difference because you know that if a company's working in your space, potentially with your competitors, that they understand your world. You know, it seems like you always get those emails saying, oh, we, you know, we, we have helped Salesforce, Google, and Microsoft to achieve X. And you're just like, dude, I've got like four people that work at this company. <laughs> like, that's so irrelevant. Like, you know, but if it's companies that you recognize, right, and they're in your space, then you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I need to figure out what they're doing, right? You're exactly right. And, and look, we all get them, right? We all get them. And, and in particular now that, you know, so many of us are working from home, I mean, I'm sure your, your LinkedIn looks like my LinkedIn and it's just getting assaulted every day. And, you know, it's a real challenge perhaps now more than ever to rise above all that noise and to demonstrate to your prospects that you've done your homework and that you really are trying to introduce them to something that they can find value in. And, you know, this is, my experience has been thus far that this is a great new mechanism you can do to achieve that. Because again, not only do you have that relevance, but because, and we haven't gotten into this, this level of detail yet, but the psychographics are like your DNA. Right. So about like if you look at the psychographics for a company, they are extremely unique. 
And you can take that and incorporate it into your outreach, into your dialogue, which just helps create this relationship of trust and relevance and credibility that, you know, that I think everybody wants. And I think everybody is trying to, you know, I think that they ideally want to deliver that to their prospects. I think the challenge is that, you know, again, if you're dealing with a hundred inbound leads a week, how are you going to do that? You know, how are you going to go out to all of these public sources and distill all this information and hope that you just get right and say something relevant? And that's that's why I love technology, to be perfectly honest, because it's human augmentation. You can let AI do this for you. You can let machine learning do this for you. And then you can pick and choose what you want to introduce into your dialogue to you know, achieve the most relevance and the most credibility with the specific prospect that you're talking to. Yeah, I think it's, you know, kind of depends on the stage of the company. But at first, it's like you just, any lead that comes in is a good lead. And your database is just, you know, you throw in a bunch of stuff and you hope for the best and you kind of have a, a vague idea of what your ICP is. But especially as you get to a more mature stage, then becomes, it's like what you saw at Domo, it becomes like huge time commitment to be able to, to have to sort through the wrong leads and the wrong people and you just end up not being as successful. So it's, is there a certain size of company that you've seen that, that it's, is there like threshold that you would need to be able to plug in something like this? You know, that's a great question because one of the pain points that I had had early on when I when I first started looking at some of the available technologies at the time was that they oftentimes required a, a lengthy implementation. And what I mean by that is, you know, oftentimes they were AI based, but to train the AI, you needed a ton of data. And to get a ton of data, you usually had to have a lot of runway, you know, a hundred customers, a few thousand leads, and you know, I come out of the machine learning space, so I can tell you that you get into very dangerous territory if you don't have that, because you can you can get a lot of false positives. So, when I first started trying to solve this problem, I had a couple of key tenants, and those were that I wanted no implementation, I wanted it to be super fast, and I wanted it to be directly accessible to an SDR. Right. I, I didn't want it to be a black box that just spit out some kind of archaic score and you said, oh, okay, well, you know, it's it's telling me that it's an A1. So I, I should I should get on the phone, you know, or or it's right. a D4. So I, you know, I shouldn't. But I don't know why, and I don't even know what that means, right? So <laughs> so I really worked, and maybe that's why it took me three times long to build this thing. But the reality is that a lot of it just depends on the approach. And, and when you take an approach where you're doing similarity matching based on psychographics, you can get started right away. You can have one customer. You can have no customers. You can actually just have one lead that says, and, and just think about it like your, your own experience, right? Like pick a song you like. If you're on Spotify, you pick a song you like. All you need is one song. And Spotify will recommend a bunch more to you. It's the same thing on Netflix. It's the same thing on Amazon. It's the same thing with what I built with Growflare. You don't need a rich history of six to 12 months. You don't need to be a big, mature company. And in fact, you know, as much as I've enjoyed my time at big companies, I really do enjoy that kind of hyper growth, 
you know, opportunity to work with smaller ones where you're molding the clay because so much of this is fluid and you get to learn so much every day that, that you navigate it. So, you know, to answer your question, you know, no, you kind of get started at any point in the journey, whether you're, you know, one or two person startup or Fortune 500 company. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's a good analogy because even if you're just starting out and you're trying to figure out your ICP and the ideal people to call, you've got some kind of thesis, at least. You might have a couple of customers that you can put, and then it'll start to actually help you to, you know, lead you to more. It's almost like the digital breadcrumbs type of thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. And, you know, what I'll also add to that is that it's not necessarily restricted to just your customers. What you, and, and sort of outbound prospects, you can also apply this to your CRM. And this was another one of those red herrings that I ended up inheriting. And I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of your listeners can relate to this, where, you know, the CRMs can be kind of like your grandma's attic you know, where it's just, you know, it's just everything, everything magically makes its way up there. And, you know, before you know it, it's just chock full of things that you never really know how they got there. And you're not really sure if you need and you don't know, you know, you got to go on antique roadshow to figure out if they're worth anything. It's kind of the same thing with the CRM where there are Tremendous. I mean, I've worked at companies where I've owned CRMs that are millions of contacts, millions of contacts. I've been in those rooms where we've talked about outbound campaigns and, you know, we need to goose revenue. So let's just set up a nurture campaign and let's just peel off these people and then let's people off, you know, let's peel off people that went to stage two, but never did this or did that. And, you know, response rates of those campaigns are usually just catastrophically terrible. Yeah. And right. Yeah. They're tiny. They're tiny. And it's just carpet bombing. And and you're, you know, you're trying and what you end up doing too, is you end up damaging your brand because you just keep just browbeating these folks with, and then again, I don't mean this in a disparaging way at all. All, I'm just simply reflecting on, on my experience where, you know, we'd see a huge number of unsubscribes and, you know, people were dejected and they're annoyed and, you know, you just, you just weren't really being, thoughtful about how to connect them with their pain. And one of the cool things that I've found in, in exploring this really new emerging field of psychographics is that you can go back into your CRM and you can run the same routine. So instead of turning the lens outwards, which is much more of an acquisition strategy, you can turn the lens inwards and you can say, hey, these are our 100 best customers, or these are our five best customers. Now, of everyone in our CRM, who is most similar to them? And it's a 90-degree pivot from what you and I have been talking about so far. And it's just tremendously valuable because you've already paid for that data, right? I mean, the average B2B lead is about $150 to $200, which is insanely expensive. And here with this new technological approach, for essentially pennies on the dollar, you can go back in and very quickly resuscitate, essentially find the gold in your CRM and resuscitate opportunities in a very personalized and need-driven way that you could you really just couldn't do before. So it's, it's tremendously exciting. Got it. So in that case, it would, you're kind of reversing it. So you're not, you're not in there proactively looking for you know, the right leads, you can actually upload 
you know, or connect it to your CRM and then it could potentially prioritize it for you. That's exactly right. So, you know, again, rather than boiling the ocean in your CRM and just kind of burning a lot of that equity, why not just ask the question, you know, who in my CRM that I have not, you know, essentially successfully converted into a customer represents the most potential based on my existing customers. And that's really the simplicity of the question, right? It's just, you know, it's something where I think that if you are looking for, and again, in in the time that we're in, I think this is extremely appropriate. If you're looking for one of the most cost-effective ways to bring more business to your company, I personally think that this is, you know, I'm, I'm obviously I'm a little bit biased, but, uh, but <laughs> yeah, use, but, use uh, what you, use what you got already. And, and that's right. I mean, sure that's, that that's prioritized. Mentality. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so what's next then? So is it launched? Are you going to do a big campaign? Like how do you get this out there to people? Yeah. Great question. That's sort of what brought us together. Of course, not too long ago. Certainly, I, I sort of fell into the longtime listener, you know, first time caller. <laughs> you know, I've been a, bit, been a big fan of yours and the work that, you, you know, you've done. And so really for us, you know, this has been a passion project for the last 18 months. And just in the last couple of weeks, we finally put it out there for everybody to use. And, you know, we're really trying to solve a problem altruistically. I mean, yes, we, we have a business that we want to build, but... I felt this pain. I felt this pain at many companies. I've seen a lot of good people struggle in ways that I never really thought that they that they should. And so we really want to help people solve this pain and introduce them to something new that's approachable and and consumable. So our approach is one where you can use this for free. You can get started for free. You can go to the website and explore the product. You know, there's no gotchas. There's you know, I'm not going to spew. I I don't collect your data. I'm not going to hit you with ads. I'm not going to sell it to anyone. (laughs) So we're really trying to do good here. (laughs) Okay, sweet. So just go over to Growflare and check it out. Yeah. And honestly, we'd love the feedback. Look, if it's, we learn by failing and and if you find something, you want to find something that doesn't work for you or you'd like to see, we'd love to hear it. You know, if you're interested in learning more about just this world of psychographics more broadly, you know, we've taken we've taken a pretty novel approach to this that we haven't seen anybody pursue. We're interested in the conversation, right? If there's other ways to apply this, we're you know, we believe in the greater good. So don't be shy. I love it, man. I want to check it out. So <laughs> you might have your first your first free trial on your hands. So I appreciate it, man. I love it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Well, Matt, thank you so much. That was an interesting journey. Uh, and, you know, there's such a huge desire for that ability to, you know, just stop wasting so much time and to really prioritize the leads, especially if you've already got them in this environment. So appreciate you walking us through that and coming on the show. If folks want to, you know, get in there and, and start messing with it, how do they find you and how do they light up that free system? Absolutely. I know. I appreciate the opportunity, David. And super simple. Just go to growflare.com. There's a free sign up right there. It's free to use forever. You basically, you know, upgrade as you grow. And again, welcome to the feedback. All right. Well, Matt Belkin, thanks for coming on the Sales Development Podcast. We'll talk again soon. Thanks so much, David. 
Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.